it is easy every Advent to romanticize prophets as the people whose warnings we heed as the North Stars of church and society. In practice, however, the prophet's warnings often go unheeded and are treated as unserious, unattainable, or laughable. Every Advent preachers focus on the prophet's lyrical visions and poetic demonstrations without asking what unheeded prophecy says about God, the one sending the prophets in the first place. I say this from experience. I have preached almost every Advent to the past eight years, and in reviewing those sermon texts, I have done exactly that. So what does it say about God that God warns us about injustice and sin, knowing full well that we may ignore God altogether? What does it say about God that many, if not most, prophets end up being either killed, silenced, or persecuted? If Apple made a product as fault-prone as the prophet's, if I am to compare them to products, the company would fold, fold. Is God a failure? Should God go back to the drawing board, bring in a few consultants and reassess this strategy? Notice where John the Baptist carries out his prophetic work. When you get home, do like I did last week, turn to the map section of your Bible and you will see the region around the Jordan River is precisely as the narrator describes it. It's wilderness. John, like many of the prophets before him, listened to God and announced God's message at the edge, not the center of society. Instead of using constant contact, MailChimp, or an instant messaging app, God speaks to John the Baptist in the middle of nowhere about a vision that will bring God's mercy and forgiveness everywhere. Throughout scripture, the wilderness is a literary motif that nods to the intimacy and wildness of life with God. The Israelites spend 40 years in the wilderness, acting out decades of tug of war between dead idols and the living God. After his baptism, Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness, confronting the devil's alluring shortcuts to fame, power, and wealth. And John the Baptist spends a period in the wilderness, inviting first century Israel to return to their first love. But, and you know the rest of the story, when biblical characters awaken to their belovedness in God, people, places, and things crowd that sense of belovedness out, and they, we, forget who and whose we are. Which brings us again to our original question. 
is God a failure if God's overtures of love are ignored, thwarted, or rejected outright? Perhaps an answer to this question is found in what we all know as the vulnerability of love. Love that finds its genesis in one person or community when shared does not have to be reciprocated. That is the risk inherent to any and every relationship. To love is to open oneself not only to the possibility of having one's love returned, but also to the possibility of being hurt and disappointed. When God loves, it is no different. When God loves, God is saying, I might end up hurt, but my love for you will not be extinguished. God's persistence in sending prophets throughout history is God's way of saying, I will not give up on you. The love that I have for you is impenetrable, indissoluble, and unbreakable. Ignore me if you will, but love will outlast all your efforts to distract yourself from the voice of love at the center of your being. But what of the prophets? What comes of the John the Baptist, the Elijahs, the Annas, the Deborahs of the world? Is a prophet's life wasted if their message remains largely unheeded? While this is counterintuitive in our culture of hyper-individualism, a prophet is actually very rarely an individual. Usually, a prophet's singular name is a stand-in for a whole community of people for example, while we often perk up at the sound of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s voice, it was common working class people who made the Southern Freedom Movement possible. Yes, Dr. King was often the one covered on television and in newspapers, but it was common working people who acted. Prophets are like red ants. If you see one, a thousand are close by. A prophet is only a prophet through the prophetic orientation of other people. Prophecy takes place in community. In 1 Corinthians, St. Paul goes so far as to say, and I'm giving you the BGV, the Broderick Greer version, Prophesy in community. When you prophesy, do it in the company of the baptized so their eyes and ears can enhance yours. The vision of God does not belong to a single person. So when a prophet and their message is ignored, rejected, or thwarted, the prophet has a community of belonging because God's love, however vulnerable, cannot be wasted or hoarded. 
God's economy cannot be measured according to shallow, short-sighted metrics. I can see in my sanctified imagination, St. John the Baptist, the cousin of our Lord Jesus, resting on a pillow after a long day of baptizing and prophesying in the wilderness. Then an abrasive, nagging voice inside him asks, if your message is from God, why aren't you more successful? And I can hear a quieter, more sturdy voice say, that's not how love works. Rest. Amen.